Our message for today will be looking at all three of our readings, but here especially these words from Isaiah 40 once more. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the title of our message today is Christmas Present, uh, which you can see on page two uh, of your service folder where your sermon outline is. Now, you may think that, uh, that this sermon is, is about those gifts that you'll be opening in about two and a half weeks that you're pretty excited about, or uh, perhaps... The title of our message today reminds you that you only have two and a half weeks to get all your shopping done before it's too late. Or maybe you figure, okay, I know what this sermon's all about. Jesus is the greatest Christmas present we could ever receive. I I know, I've heard that a dozen times or more. Well, that is, in a sense, what this sermon is about today because Jesus is the greatest Christmas present we could ever receive. But actually, today's message is entitled Christmas Present because we will be exploring how Jesus was born into this world to be present with us and what that means for how we live and interact with those around us. This is ultimately what Isaiah is getting at when he writes in verse 1 of our reading, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And then God himself does exactly that comforting his people by coming to his people. He announces in verse 10, the Lord Yahweh comes with might. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. The picture Isaiah gives us is of our Lord as a shepherd who picks us up and embraces us and protects us. Being up at night with my son lately, uh, last night being another example of this, and being present with him when he can't sleep has reminded me often of the God who never sleeps, but who is always watching over me, holding me, rocking me to sleep when my soul is restless. Isaiah wants us to know that this is how God cares for us, and it is great news. But it isn't all that Isaiah has to say. A few verses earlier, we heard these words. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. What a downer. (laughs) This chapter had started off so beautifully. And with these verses, Isaiah seems to offer up a mixed message. What comfort can possibly be had by dying blades of withering grass? Isaiah was writing to the nation of Judah who were in exile in Babylon, and this was exactly the question that they were asking. They had been torn away from their homes. Their families had been ripped apart. The world as they knew it had been changed forever. They didn't even need to be reminded that they were like withering grass because they had felt it. They had experienced it. They had lived it. And we have two haven't we? The loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, 
sickness, cancer, personal failure, interpersonal conflict, heartbreak, loneliness. We need someone to come to us to bring the water of life to this dead grass, to bring comfort and to be present with us. Earlier in his book, Isaiah had prophesied about one who would do just that. You're familiar with this verse. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And Matthew's gospel tells us that this prophecy was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. You see, Jesus came for you to be God with you. Jesus was born to be present with you today, right now, in the midst of of your hurts, in the midst of your sorrows, in your family life, in your physical and spiritual struggles. He is with you. (laughs) Don't believe for a moment that he isn't. Don't think for one second that he can't understand what you're going through or, or know what your feelings are. As we read in Hebrews, Jesus is our high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses in every possible way because he himself became weak in order to make us strong. He knows our pain because he has shared in it. He knows our sorrows because he too has wept with us. Jesus was tempted in every way but was entirely without sin. That is until he took all of our sins upon himself. And in his human body that was tattered and torn on the cross for us, took them away. Jesus even joined himself to his people by dying like they die. But then he rose to conquer death for us forever, to give us an undying hope that sustains us in the here and now. For he has promised that he is with us always to the very end of the age. Now, we're cheating ahead a little bit by reading Luke chapter 2 in our Advent season instead of Christmas. But we did that today because the message of the angels to the shepherds that cold Bethlehem night is also a message to us today. Because Jesus is here with you and for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ Lord. Jesus as Emmanuel equals God with us. This also has implications for who we are as the church, the chosen people of God. We are appointed to what some have called the ministry of presence, to be present with people just as Christ was and is present with us, because Christ was and is present with us. Now, this can mean a lot of things in our daily life, like uh, turning off our cell phones every once in a while to actually look up and and be with the people that God has, has put in front of us. But there's so much more to it than that. God's calling us to, to get down into the pit with one another, to empathize with each other, and, and to tell them that, that they are not alone. Our Stephen ministers do this very intentionally and very well, ministering to people one-on-one by being there for them to to listen and to care. But in fact, we are all called, as Isaiah was called, to speak comfort into the lives of people. 
Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Do you hear him? A good friend of mine from seminary has reminded me recently what this looks like. Undoubtedly, you've heard by now of of all of the turmoil in Ferguson, Missouri, which was ramped up just this last week. Here's a video that shares a little bit about that. Right, back to that breaking news. Officer Darren Wilson will not be indicted in the shooting death of Michael Brown. Now, the St. Louis County prosecutor made the highly anticipated announcement last night, and shortly after the announcement, fires broke out across Ferguson with protesters setting a dozen businesses ablaze. A little Caesars, an AutoZone, an O'Reilly Auto Parts store, all among the businesses that burned. One reporter had described the the scene there in Ferguson as if a tornado had come through the entire town and then something else came after it and set everything on fire. My friend Mark is a pastor who lives in North County, St. Louis, right next door to all of this in Ferguson. And and last week, he and a few other LCMS pastors and a vicar uh, went down to the epicenter of the conflict to show that in the midst of the violence and the burned-out buildings... And the angry protests and the broken hearts, Christ was there. They didn't go to take sides, but, but to listen and to share the, the hope that can only be found in Christ Jesus with anyone who would hear it. I was able to talk with Mark the other night about that experience, and I think we can learn a lot from what he and his fellow pastors did that day and in the days since. The first thing that really struck me was when Mark told me You know, we didn't go down there with some grand plan. We just felt that we had to be there. We had to bring Christ to people. Sometimes I think you and I can get caught up with with this impression that we have to have all of the details in place before we bring up Jesus or represent him in our lives. That, That we have to have some grand plan all worked out before we can bring the presence of Christ to our coworkers or, or our family members or our friends. But that mindset easily becomes an excuse for us not to bring up Christ at all. And it, it also tends to forget that the grand plan is not ours to formulate anyway, but God's. The mission is in his hands and there's no better place for it. But of course, this doesn't mean that everybody will welcome us with open arms. When those pastors first arrived that day, they were met with fierce anger and derision as the protesters shouted things at them like, what are you doing here? We don't need the clergy here. You're just here to make money off of us. You don't live here. You don't know what it's like. Go home. The truth is when we bring the presence of Christ into desperate places, we are likely to meet with resistance or rejection. But we must stand in there for the sake of our fellow human beings, people for whom Jesus shed his blood. We must be willing to suffer for Christ, for our brothers and our sisters, even for our enemies. The amazing thing is, is, as these pastors stood in there that day in Ferguson, people began to recognize the love of Jesus that was in their hearts, and the light of Christ began to dispel the darkness People began to open up to them and share their frustrations and their fears. And and after Mark and the other pastors had been there for a while, some new protesters came by and started to to heap insults on them. But but one of the protesters who had been doing that just a little while earlier said, 
No. They're genuine. Look at their eyes. They're hurting with us. If we are genuine, if we are willing to hurt with people and not just offer lip service to their struggles, we will be in a position to offer them the healing that only Jesus can bring. This is how we speak comfort. Comfort to the people. We might not all be called to, to speak to protesters or rioters or, or to walk right into the middle of smoking ruins and interracial tension. But we are all called to this world. And it has long been set aflame with sin and pain and rage against God and his anointed one. But Christ is still the prince of peace. And he has made us his blessed peacemakers the sons and daughters of God called to extend the family. You know, with Emily and I being so far away from our family in Oregon and, and Ethan so far away from his grandparents, some of you have adopted us as members of your families, inviting us over for holidays and, and special events. And I can't tell you how much of a difference that makes. We all need to do that. For those who are not yet members of the family of faith. As my friend Mark said in the reporter article that was written about his ministry there that day, we are called to work together, to form relationships with people so you get a better sense of what their everyday life is. And then you're actually able to provide human, physical relief. After all, this is exactly what Jesus did. And our mission is his mission. As another pastor there that day said, everyone needs Jesus. We are here to give him to them, both body and soul. Now this won't be easy. We will experience rejection, people misunderstanding our intentions, calling us all sorts of names. But we do not have a choice. This is who we are as the people of Emmanuel Another one of the pastors there that day was Pastor Stephen Shave, director of LCMS Urban and Inner City Mission, and he said this, The ministry of presence is important to bring Christ where there is unrest, division, and lack of hope. Now, of course, he was talking about Ferguson, but it sounds an awful lot like our world as a whole, doesn't it? He continued, We can't be on the sidelines, even if it is gritty, and challenging, an immediate response is needed. As you and I live out this ministry of presence, we as the church equal Christ with the world. And our ministry of presence, every single bit of it, is made possible in the first place because of the ministry of presence that Christ enacted through his incarnation and his life among us. You see, in Christ's ministry of presence, there was a grand plan. My friend had, had been told by the protesters, you don't live here, you don't know what it's like. And he was able to tell them that actually he does know what it's like because he lives right there in the midst of everything going on. That the National Guard is still protecting the grocery store where his family shops each week. So the protesters began to see that Mark was someone who could begin to understand their predicament. Well, in God's grand plan, Jesus came to live with us. He knows what it's like. He came to, to live in our human neighborhood. John says that, that he pitched his tent right in the middle of us. 
so that he would know exactly what it's like to be frail and weak and afraid. Like the pastors that day in Ferguson, Jesus faced initial rejection. He was born in a stable, wrapped in dirty rags and laid in a feeding trough. But unlike those pastors, for Jesus, initial rejection culminated in ultimate rejection, ending in his death at the hands of an uneasy alliance between the religious and political authorities of the day. Most people looked at Jesus on the cross and and saw an insurrectionist, a a failed revolutionary, a blasphemer, even a, a promoter of division. But for some, among whom we gathered here today number ourselves, something else was recognized in that humble carpenter from Nazareth. Because if you can silence the inborn rage and discontent of the human heart for but a moment and look closely, you will see that Jesus is genuine. As he hangs there on the cross, look at his eyes. He is hurting with us. He is hurting and dying for us. And he is present with us now as we look forward to Christmas and our celebration of his coming to us that night in Bethlehem. He was born, he died, he rose, and he ascended. And though he is with us even now, the day will soon arrive when he will come again, set this world right with his good justice and peace, and we will forever be with him in glory. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Jesus is here. He is present this Christmas and every day. So go and show and tell the world. In Jesus' name, amen.